Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello! So last week we talked about the first two episodes of Stargate SG-1, where we learned about how the Stargate works, who the Gwawuld are, and men are main characters. So today we'll be talking about episodes three and four, Emancipation and the Broken Divide. Emancipation premiered on August 8th, 1997, and was written by, you're going to be surprised by this, Arzu, it was written by a woman, although... (laughs) It is a white woman, so <laughs> there's that. Okay. Um, Catherine Bowers and directed by Jeff Woolnow. And The Broken Divide premiered on August 15th, 1997. Was it written by Jonathan Glasner and directed by William Garrity? Um, yeah, so I warned Arzu multiple times that Emancipation is probably the worst episode of any Stargate show that I've seen. And um, in an interview at the Stargate Con in Chicago this past June, Michael Shanks, who plays Daniel, and Amanda Tapping, who plays Sam, were asked what the worst episode of Stargate was, and they both said Emancipation. Um, One was like, that didn't age well, and the other one was like, I don't think that aged well at the time. No, they're right. That was bad for 1997. Even for 1997, it was not okay. Um, So, Arcee, would you please give us a quick summary on what happened in these two episodes? Yes. So in Emancipation, they end up on a world, and please forgive me, um, my DVDs don't have subtitles, so I usually miss the names of places if they say them, um, because I can't hear if I can't read. So they go to this world that has been settled by a group of humans who were pulled from the Genghis Khan era Mm -hmm. and never progressed past it um, in a society that treats women like property you can already see where this is going um you know women can't be outside with their faces unveiled all that stuff so um very quickly sam is kind of shunted to the side and then ends up kidnapped by a teenage boy who takes her to a fellow village a rival village and barters her off hoping to be able to marry the daughter of the chief of that village the chief is only too happy to pay for Sam, but then goes, no, my daughter's going to marry a chief instead. And then the teenage boy realizes there's a problem with what he did. So they go to get some help. Um, Sam decides to liberate all of the women of color by telling them that if you just stand up to your male oppressors, everything will be fine. <laughs> and I wonder why nobody thought of that before. So they, uh, so they do. And then uh, the nice villagers, not the savage ones that Sam was sent to, but the nice ones, decide that women will now be emancipated and can go out with their veils off. Mm. Isn't that nice? Mm. In the Bronca Divide, episode four, um, they go to another, another world, another dimension, where they witness a conflict, don't get involved, even though they should, and we're going to talk about that later. And then when they go talk to the locals there, they learn about the difference between... Were they saying the touched and the untouched? Yes. Okay. So they learn about the difference between the touched and the untouched and how the touched have been so affected by something they can no longer um, exist in society and have to be shunned or killed or whatever. So the girl that they didn't help and should have or helped 
too late has been affected by whatever this is, but because they've all come in contact with her, they too become affected and they bring it back to our world with them. Everybody but Teal'c and Daniel are affected by this. Um, we have some thoughts about that. We'll get into that. Everybody's affected and they realize that essentially if you have a lot of antihistamines in your system, these things wither and die. So this, this one is kind of split between that dimension and ours as they try to figure out what has been affecting the soldiers. We've completely mm -hmm. forgotten that Shrey is missing. Daniel doesn't <laughs> seem to care. They did mention them at the beginning of he that episode. He mentioned her. Mm -hmm. And then he said some other stuff. And I'm like, hmm, I see you, Daniel. <laughs> I feel like my interpretation and yours of that interaction, which we'll get to soon, is very different. But... <laughs> um, right, so first things first, let's do our quote reveal. So last week I gave you the quote, here's your chance to shut me up once and for all. And your guess was that Daniel was speaking to O'Neill, trying to convince him of a harebrained idea to save the day that O'Neill doesn't think will work. I wish it had been that. That would have been better. Um, <laughs> but it's actually from Sam speaking to the evil Turgon, um, challenging him to ritual combat. Um, That's the warlord that purchased her, right? Yeah, the, the evil yeah. warlord. But yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, listen, it's fine. For 1997, it's about on par with what I expect of a badass woman. It's a little gaslight gatekeep girl boss for my taste. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, for 97. Yeah. I guess, I guess it tracks. <laughs> my version <laughs> is more fun. Yeah, it's, it's not the worst. Line. I mean, if everything that... We had to listen to in this episode. That's you know one yeah, of the least terrible the lines. Of the <laughs> awful list. <laughs> so, um, all right, maybe we should just start uh, kind of at the beginning of this episode. Um, do you want to start with the uh, sexist stuff or the non or less sexist? Um, <laughs> let's talk about the racist stuff for a second. Okay. Because my, my point is a small one. Because they, they sort of hand wave away the fact that all these people are ethnic by going, oh, they were pulled from, what is it, Mongolia? Uh-huh. It's like they were pulled from Mongolia. Or that the people yeah. of these tribes moved to Mongolia or to Persia. And I was like, hey, representation. Um, <laughs> but these people were brought here. So they kind of hand wave away the fact that they're all people of color by this. But the chief's daughter, who is the love interest for this episode, mm -hmm. I don't know this actress's background, but they picked the most white passing actress they could. <laughs> they really did. Like she might, she might be like East Asian. I don't know. But it is telling when the villains, quote unquote, have very pronounced East Asian features and the one who is supposed to be the heroine of it all does not. Yeah, let's see. Looks like she's half Chinese. Okay, so she's half Chinese. So I yeah. somewhat take it back in that at least she's... <laughs> yeah, she's half Chinese East Asian and, half descent. and half Scottish. But again... <laughs> yeah. It's like the Princess Jasmine problem with the Aladdin adaptation. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, 
everybody else was a person of color, but our love interest princess is half white. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, it, yeah. it bothers me. And it's not this poor actress's fault. She was doing her best. It's not her fault. This is the worst episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't blame the actress herself necessarily. No, but yeah, I guess like with like the racism issues with this my thing was just like okay they're they're saying that these people were kind of pulled from mongolia and i did a little research and it's talking about how like even though the society was patriarchal the women had more freedom and power than women in other areas at the same time Mm -hmm. um they could ride horseback they could fight in battle um they could help the men make decisions it felt like they were overemphasizing the lower roles of the women for this episode when like the actual mongolian women were not that oppressed <laughs> i generally find that to be the case the further back you go like the eastern half of the world is not nearly as aggressive as everybody wants to believe it is yeah because that's a more convenient narrative. Yeah. And so, like, the Mongolian women, in reality... So, the married women wore headdresses, and the unmarried women didn't. So, this whole veil-wearing thing is entirely fabricated for the show. Because they did not wear veils. Well, um, you know. <laughs> and they did mention in the episode that, like, once upon a time, the women did sort of take on a more active role... Right. But for the sake of their protection, they basically shove them behind veils. And I'm like, okay, but you can teach them to fight back. Like, by stripping them of every means they have of protecting themselves, you're not doing them any favors. Right. I'm assuming that what they're referencing is, like, when the... Because, I mean, obviously the gold brought them to this planet. Yeah. And so they're the ones that they're protecting the women from. But I'm like, okay, but if your women are noticeably dressing differently and covering their faces i mean the world aren't stupid like obviously they they know which ones are the women and which ones are the men i'm so i don't really understand what the veil covering is protecting them from so i mean and the the um chieftain the good guy chieftain mentions how he thinks the rules have persisted as a way for men to maintain control which I think is absolutely the case. I I mean, I, I just don't see like a logical reason why wearing a veil would help protect them from the gold. And plus they mentioned that the gold haven't been there in a couple centuries. So it's like, yeah. okay, well then why are you still doing this? Why are you still treating your women this way? Yeah, I think like part of it is that kind of, well, we've always done it this way. Yeah. But in a society that where women did not always occupy this role i find it hard to believe that they would willingly remain that way right and i'm not suggest i'm not taking the the sam carter approach of just say no but like (laughs) realistically they do fulfill another function right and then there's also kind of the issue of if the world were there treating you know using them as slaves at one point and then they left I'm just wondering why they still live close to the Stargate. Like, if you know these, like, demons or whatever you want to call them are hurting your people and they come through the Stargate, wouldn't you want to, like, move away from the Stargate and kind of, like, go into hiding so that if they come back, they it's harder for them to find you? 
I think part of it is plot and part of it from like an anthropological standpoint is like better the devil you know Mm, I guess like at least that that land is already settled they're already there they already kind of know what the environmental threats are so yeah that's true yeah I mean, I really think it's like just plot purposes. I mean, it would. Oh yeah, you, you couldn't have like... a show if if you go through the Stargate and you see ruins, but then you never actually find the people living there necessarily. Like I know you put Star Wars but... in your notes, and like the problem, the famous problem with Star Wars is like yeah. every planet is one ecosystem, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and one city, but yes. or like two if you want to get fancy. Yeah, but. I do think that's that's a little bit at play here, but it yeah. may not be that the whole planet is the same ecosystem, but they also don't have time yeah. to walk across planet looking for people. Yeah, generally in like the future episodes that we'll see, the only peoples that have like colonized the entire planet are ones that are more advanced, like more technologically advanced. So they've had, I guess, more resources to be able to to spread around the globe, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think it's, I mean, I guess part of it does make sense in terms of if you have this advanced device that can allow you to travel to other planets, obviously civilization is going to pop up around yeah. that device. Uh, and it's not necessarily easily movable. I mean, you can move it, but it's not like super easy to move around. And if you're like, if you're not totally sure how it works, you might be scared to move it and that kind of thing. So I guess it it does make sense that there would be civilization around it. I just feel like a lot of it is like plot reasons. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think it's mostly plot. Yeah. So how about we talk about all of the um, non-con moments and sexism in There's this a episode? Lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Before we get there, we have put timestamps, trigger warnings in the show notes. If you don't want to hear the non-con stuff, we'll give you a time code to jump to. I mean, it, so it starts from the very first scene when these men come and they want to kill Sam for speaking as a woman in front of these men. And she says right off the bat, like, let's cut our losses and go home. Like, this doesn't sound like a great place to be. And they're all like, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. This whole team is trash. And they have <laughs> exhibited that. Through this episode and the next. Like, Sam needs to throw the whole team away and start again. I mean, she just, she needs another lady there to back her up. Like, we've cause... got O'Neill who doesn't care. We've got Daniel who has straight up forgotten he has a wife. Um, <laughs> he talks about her once in two episodes. That's 90 minutes of screen time. And Sheree got one name drop. He's forgotten his wife is missing. I don't Not think he's forgotten. Daniel. I think it's more like... You are on another planet. You need to be present in the moment. And you can't constantly be, like, talking about your wife when you're... Go find your wife and stop ogling the lady That's what he's trying to do. He's not (laughs) trying hard enough. They're going to other planets to try to find her. What's your point? He's not trying hard enough. What else is he supposed to do? I forgot they were planet hopping looking for his wife. That's how little (laughs) they talk about her. To be fair, they talk about her less and less as the show goes on. So, oh, do they ever talk this way? <laughs> Don't tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> Rip! Oh my god! Okay. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> oh no. Okay. 
anyway. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay. So right from the very beginning, Sam uh, does not want to go. She's like, this is terrible. They want to kill me just because I'm a woman. Um, bad vibes. Let's get out of here. They, she's overruled by the men, of course. Because she should have just said no. I know, right? But she's just been like, wait, look, y'all can stay. I'm going to go back. Because... Girl boss her way out of this one. Yeah, like, look, uh, I will risk a court martial because I really do not want to get murdered. And that would be fair, honestly. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and the next point is that, like, so when they actually go to the town, um, the chieftain tells Sam that she has to dress like the women who live there with the veil and everything if she wants to be able to walk around outside. And Daniel is like, oh, yeah, that's totally fine. Like, anthropologists do this all the time. It's totally normal. And she makes the point, I'm not an anthropologist. She's right. <laughs> I also don't. Okay. If they want to dress like the locals to fit in. Cool. Everybody needs to be dressing like the locals. Mm -hmm. Did the men change their clothes? I don't think they did. No. Of course not. No, they didn't. So everybody needs to be doing that. We're not. And also, I will point out that the women are all. There's a line that the teenage boy says about like a woman wearing the clothes of a man is punishable by death or something. Yeah. Yeah. They are wearing the same clothes. Um, they're different colors. The, the <laughs> ladies have jewel tones on, the men have earth tones. That's that's the difference. But um everybody is wearing this kind of round neck tunic. It kind of sits mm -hmm. just at the collarbone, long sleeves, you know, very little ornamentation, and then the headdress is really fancy. So Sam gets a blue dress with a sweetheart neckline that really emphasizes her boobs. Mm -hmm. with a lot of gold embellishment mm -hmm. and i'm like you are the only person wearing this outfit yep you don't even look like the local woman and it's nope. not because she's blonde like and a white lady she's just it's the most expensive dress they own yeah and they gave it to the visitor from afar because of course yeah. actually you know what that dress but like um and it kind of looks like she might be wearing a corset and the other women weren't i don't think i mean they didn't look like they were quite that restricted the other, yeah, she looks, she looks like she's getting ready to play Juliet in Shakespeare in the Park until she puts the veil on. Mm -hmm. Like her dress doesn't match everybody else's. Yeah. Like, well, no wonder she stood out. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is our first um, instance of non-con because she does not want to dress like this and they're all forcing her to. And that's not okay. I mean, they should have absolutely let her go home at this point. Like she's, she's being coerced into a whole whole lot of things yeah and um, then the way that they talk to her when they see her in the dress is disgusting like like jack and daniel are both like ogling her and like tell her telling her how good she looks the teenage boy too yeah and yeah and you know just like checking out her cleavage and acting like they've never noticed her before. Like, this is the first time that any of them have noticed that she's a woman. I'm like, this is gross. And, like, there is a difference, like, as the resident romance novel fairy tale fan, like, you are too, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, 
I, there is a difference between somebody like voluntarily dressing up for a change mm-hmm. and somebody being like, whoa, she looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. But this woman has had her armor taken away, mm-hmm. has been forced into a dress she doesn't want to wear, Yep, told to basically sit down, shut up, or else she'll offend the locals, yep. and is now being ogled by her co-workers. Yep. It's not a great and afternoon for Sam. She's also not allowed to go to the party because the party is men only. Mm. it's like if, and if she's forced to stay inside this tent the entire time anyway what was the point there isn't why, one she serves no function why couldn't she have just stayed in the tent in her normal gear and nobody would have seen her you know yeah i also don't know why they're calling it men's clothes because nobody on this planet dresses like this do you know what i mean yeah and it's not like the women don't wear pants they do they're just wearing longer shirts as yeah. are the men. Yeah. So, well, I guess like the the women's like shirts slash dresses are a bit longer than the men's and they also have the headdresses. So that, but I, yeah, but it's, it's not functionally it's not a big the same difference. outfit. Yeah. So then she stays in this tent and I put in my notes is incapacitated by a teenage boy who's never taken a multivitamin in his life. <laughs> he is a teenager who's grown up in, you know, in these. Not like primitive circumstances, but very like early human development circumstances. Right. She's a captain in the army. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason a butter knife to the throat should have been enough to get her hauled out of there. Do you know what I right? mean? Right. Totally. Like, let's like come on. Like she went, she went full damsel in distress, and it took like ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that was really disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, and then like they get to the rival clan. And she, you know, gets bartered off and there's like, I mean, the, the rival chieftain is like trying to like teach her her place and how, you know, you're a woman and you can't talk. And he forcefully kisses her. Mm-hmm. And I think that was completely unnecessary for the plot of this story. It was just, it was bad. Yeah, I am generally, I know I don't sound like it, generally a pretty forgiving person. I can see why you would do something even if it doesn't vibe mm-hmm. for me. But I'm like, why? there was no reason. No. We already knew that he was evil and oppressive and treated women horribly. We did not need to see him forcibly kiss her to understand that because we already knew it. And then we have like, we have him forcibly kiss her, which which is a whole, which is playing into a whole sinister trope of like this this person of color, this this man of color forcing mm-hmm. himself on a white woman. Yeah. So we've got that going on. Then we have his daughter later in the episode being like, "My father's a good man." I'm like, "Is he? Mm. Is he? Because you are both in trouble because Sam stepped in to save your mother." His wife, concubine, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because Sam stepped in to save his mother. And then, like, ten seconds later, he's like, I need to stone my daughter to death. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, this isn't new behavior for him. I don't know where this my father yeah. is a good man came from. Well, I mean, she kind of explains it as he protects the village from other clans and makes sure everybody is well fed. But um, it... <laughs> It just feels yeah. like an opening for Sam to white feminism all over this place. Yeah. And she it does. feel like much. Which she does. 
yeah. immediately. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so the other issue, so getting in more into the the whole white feminism thing, they kind of force Sam into a corner also because when they manage to get Sam back, but then the teenage boy is like, hey, um, this girl that I like was recaptured and now she's going to be stoned to death and I need your help. Um, Sam is like, well, we need to go back and prevent her from being stoned to death because, you know, that's the right thing to do. And all of the men are like, no, this is another planet's customs and laws and we don't interfere. And it's like, okay, you're making no sense because you just found any kind of loophole you could to like, to get Sam back. Um, but now you're not willing to help when a girl is going to be stoned to death. So it's like, we're, we're going to pretend like this is a feminist issue and Sam is like looking out for her fellow woman when, when it's it's like a whole white savior thing, and and Daniel is the one to come up with the idea to use the law to save her. Uh, <laughs> it okay. I think I know what they're going for with this. They are trying to do like a Star Trek Prime Directive thing, where like for those who don't aren't familiar with Star Trek, the Prime Directive, I'm paraphrasing, is basically that they cannot interfere with any society that is pre-warp, so that hasn't discovered warp faster than light travel. Right. So, hey, I remember that. So, um, <laughs> I think that's what they're going for, is some sort of Prime Directive without calling it the Prime Directive. However, <laughs> they are executing it, in this case, when when a girl is about to get stoned to death and in episode four, when a teenage girl is for all intents and purposes about to get raped and mm -hmm. both Same cases, excuse. they're like, maybe this is just how it's done here. And but I'm in both cases, look good. Yeah. It's still wrong. What you're witnessing is wrong. And like Sam brings up the Deo Presse Libre motto of special forces. And <laughs> it's like she I mean she's absolutely right that it's that's the, what they should do and it's like mm -hmm. you just found ways to bend the rules to save Sam so why are you not also willing to bend the rules to save this young girl of color I also find it interesting that she she quotes the special forces motto to Jack and Jack's like that's on earth I'm like okay but your deployment is currently here yeah you're not here as a tourist. You're not here as in, in any capacity other than special forces. So I don't know yep. why that doesn't apply. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to look at your notes when I'm watching. So don't let it influence me. So I did write, this was obviously written by a man. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Which it wasn't. Was like, it's actually written by a woman, which is unfortunate, but a white woman. So that oh, it makes sense. It tracks. Yeah, it's got some like uh, '90s white feminism ideas. I have around. so many things going through my head, but I'm not going to say them because I don't want to slander this poor woman. <laughs> but yeah, it was just dead <sighs> all around. Oh, I'm, I'm, there's really very was. little I liked about this episode. 
if anything i'm I'm hard pressed to think of anything i liked about this episode yeah i uh <laughs> am frankly coming up blank too <laughs> i was thinking of more things that were not good uh, <laughs> yeah there's just some like smaller lines that are also weird like daniel when they're talking about Sam, they're talking, referencing her as Carter talking to these chieftains, the chieftains kind of, you know, slightly mispronounce her name just because it's foreign to them, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. But then Daniel repeats it back in the mispronounced way. And I'm like, okay, just because you're talking to these foreigners doesn't mean you have to mispronounce her name. I actually have found in certain cases where if you, uh, there's a there's a caveat to this, but I have um, found in certain locations where things are heavily mispronounced. If you know that's not how it's pronounced, but you mispronounce it the same way, you are more likely to be understood. That's true. That said, they are all so fluent in English. Yeah. That there's no excuse. Yes. They are if not struggling like, with English. <laughs> like we've talked about this on other shows on this network, but like, when we talk about Star Wars in French, we will change to Dark Vader, even though we have no problem pronouncing Darth Vader. Right. And everybody will know what we're saying. Yeah. But we'll change it because we're speaking another language or pronouncing it differently. Yeah. If we're speaking English, mm -hmm. we're going to say it properly. Right. So I think this is where that whole how good is their English really mm -hmm. and how did they learn 20th century English uh, comes into play. Yeah, I mean, obviously they they speak such good English for show purposes. Um, but yeah, if they have if they are not stumbling over any words whatsoever, then they can understand Carter. <laughs> if they if they can if they can say a woman dresses like a man and acts like a warrior, they can say Carter. There's nothing yeah. in Carter that that would trip them up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then the whole like Daniel wishing them in their marriage many sons and you know sam has to rib him so that he also says many daughters i'm like that's just unnecessary this is the era of girl power and it shows yeah it's just it's like yeah an effort to be girl power and it just comes off as just gross and then so at the end it's like the way that they emancipated these women was simply that the women no longer have to wear the veils on their faces. And I'm like, um, I don't understand why they're so proud of that because that isn't, that's only like one thing. That's not changing how these women are treated in society. That's not removing the headdresses entirely. And it's only this one tribe too. Yeah. It's not, all of the tribes and there's at least 23 other tribes that we know of i think it's meant to be read as like this is a step in the right direction but also like knowing human nature they haven't fixed anything no they haven't even really fixed this village because this village like has to still deal with the fact that everybody here has come of age thinking x thing and just because the women are no longer covered up, mm -hmm. that doesn't make that go away. Like, you know, there are some women who who cover up, like in the real world, who cover up and who don't want to. Mm -hmm. And there are 
women who who choose to cover up and would feel naked otherwise. Yeah. And if you've been raised thinking that this is the way a woman dresses, like you, some people might be like, great, I don't have to wear it anymore. But some would be like, I'm wearing half my clothes in public. Right. So it's not, it's not as easy as like, yay. Like, yeah, they are all behaving like women who had this imposed on them halfway through life. Right. When they actually grew up with it. Yeah, not like not even that they grew up with it, but that this has been the norm for several hundreds. generations. Yeah, hundreds, if not like a thousand years. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's a the whole thing of they find out that the good chieftain only has one wife instead of many because he loves her, and that's like applauded as him being a super great dude. I'm like, okay, but in the very first scene of this episode, he was fully ready to murder Sam for speaking up. So I feel like the fact that he only has one wife isn't um, necessarily that great. Like, I mean, does it make him a good person? He has one <laughs> wife and is there for a feminist. Right? <laughs> like, well, I'm like, I'm glad you love your wife. And um, it sounds like you probably don't beat her, which is great. That doesn't mean that you treat all women well. Yeah. I just, it was, <laughs> it was totally all over the place I think I'm ready to talk about episode 4 now okay <laughs> it also has some problems but definitely not near as many yeah I mean once Sam rightly points out off the top that if a girl is getting raped we should step in Yep. and then they do after a little bit of coercion which yeah come on now um they see somebody else stepping in. They're like, oh, I guess we can step in too. But they were just going to sit there and literally watch this woman get raped. Daniel's like, maybe this is how they procreate. Like, is it Daniel? Is it? She's flailing and screaming. I like. I mean, technically speaking, you might be right. But does that mean that you should sit here and watch it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And then, of course everybody sees them they're like oh my god they're gods and it's like don't worship them they were about to let this girl get raped yeah like do better everybody needs to do better throw the whole team away yeah yeah um but this is when they mentioned the the beginning of this episode they mentioned how they're still looking for Sharae and and scara so we get was like oh job. right my wife <laughs> Right, 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 right. What's her name? Uh. <laughs> What's her name and her brother? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so they meet the untouched people of this planet who are just like normal people, um, who I think are really interesting. Um, so they're it's based on like the Minoan culture and they talk about the touched being cursed by the Hilksha, which are evil gods. And I'm honestly not sure if that's supposed to refer to the gold or not. I mean, it kind of seems like it, but then I don't think the gold, you know, caused way... this illness. Yeah, because the way the illness spreads doesn't seem compatible with the way, like, the gold seemed to spread no. and and find host bodies yeah so that's what i thought at first too but it's a big universe there's just lots of parasites uh i guess and well what i also don't understand is 
they mention how the Hilksha haven't been there, but it's only been like one or two generations that they haven't been there, which means if it is the Gould and the Gould were there fairly recently, like, you know, possibly in the last hundred years, in which case they are surprisingly well-developed yeah. for a culture that was recently oppressed by the Gould. Which makes me think it's not the Gould. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to revisit these people. Um, we do see the um, the head councilman dude one or two more times. We don't go to the planet again, but we, we do see this dude one a couple times. Okay. Yeah, so maybe the Hilksha is their, you know, the demons of the underworld is really just what they call, like, viruses. Yeah. And diseases and viruses. Especially if they don't have any sort of understanding of it, right? Yeah. Which means that it's probably been a really long time since the world left. Yeah. Okay, so they get, some other team get possessed, and I forgot the name of the lieutenant, I think he's a lieutenant, who gets possessed first and brings the parasite to Earth. Mm -hmm. But it took me a second to realize that's probably what was going on. But for half a second when the camera cut him, he's like twitching excitedly. I was like, this guy's really into the debriefing. Like, <laughs> he's just really, really feeling it. And then he really jumped out of his chair. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> I thought he was just really into his debriefing. Or like, this is an extra who is really making the most of his screen time. You know, what I noticed about it was that he was making weird eyes at Teal'c before they ever went to this planet. And so it's I, like a heightened, it heightens existing feelings then. I guess so. Like he already didn't like Teal'c before. So if it heightens existing feelings, let's talk yeah. Sam and Jack. Oh boy. <laughs> the doctor explains that these parasites basically bring out somebody's baser nature. I, I don't think it's parasite. I think it's just a virus. I've decided it's a virus. <laughs> this virus. Okay. Because okay. she said, like, it needs to live. So I'm like, oh, it's a thing that needs to Yeah, live. but a virus is alive. True. So, yeah, I'm a, a doctor. Virus. I'm not really a doctor. <laughs> um, I just watch a lot of medical shows. So she says that this virus brings out a person's baser nature. Uh-huh. And I find it interesting that mm-hmm. for males, the base nature is violence. And uh-huh. for females, the base nature is horny. Yeah. And she was going, it's because women will will seek out the like the man who will give them the strongest offspring and i'm like mm. okay andrew tate like calm down so <laughs> like obviously we have grown past that thinking now <sighs> yeah but where the guys are all beating each other up sam corners jack in the locker room and kisses him against his will yep that's true i didn't think about that's non-con wow okay he's also non-con we're really and... hard on this Listen, Jack's an attractive man. If thinking Jack is hot is wrong, I don't want to be right. Right. But he was not into it. No, I mean, I don't think he was like a. It's not that he wasn't into it. He did not, he did not <laughs> consent to being jumped on that way. Yes. I feel like under normal circumstances, maybe he might be looking at Sam, but like, yeah. Sam's pressing herself up in his face and he's like, wait. And she's like, no. Yeah. And. That's yeah. where that crosses the line. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's like kind of like the one sexist part of this episode is like, oh, the girls are super horny and the guys aren't necessarily. Uh, so, 
Mm-hmm. And then Daniel's like, wait, Sam's infected and Sam's super horny. Sorry, what room was she in? What number was it? And I'm like, Daniel, you have a wife. <laughs> I I didn't read it that way. I, I, I don't think that's what they were going for. But no, because I, he has forgotten his wife exists. No, I really do think it was just like he's concerned about his friend and he wants to go check up on her. But yeah. <laughs> Like a so, non-zero yeah, I, chance that that's what he was thinking. <laughs> I do. I did really like the physical acting, especially that that Richard Dean Anderson did, because mm-hmm. I thought that was really impressive. Like he was super into it, I and mean, he was really like even like the vocal noises that he was making and to sound like more like quote unquote primitive. Um, so I yeah, I thought it was some good like vocal and um, physical acting. Yeah. And, oh, and I also loved that. So this is the episode where we meet Dr. Frazier. Yes. Yeah, this is the first time that we see her. Um, So she's not necessarily in every episode, but she's a regular character. And she's amazing. She's incredible. She's, like, strong. She's, like, another strong, independent woman that we really, like, need to ground us on this this show. (laughs) So Sam is not, like, totally alone. out here. (laughs) It really is. Um, so she's amazing. She is back a lot, and we love that. Um, so that was great. Yeah, I feel like the kind of like science part of this episode is questionable um, because she talks about how the primitive parts of the brain are awoken that are normally dormant, and with enough sedative, it can knock back the primitive mind. I'm like, I would really like a scientist to fact check that because that doesn't seem like real science to me. This is also the episode that decided that allergy medication <laughs> yeah. is the cure to giving into <laughs> your baser instincts. <laughs> Just give them some Benadryl. They'll be fine. Like, literally, that is the <laughs> that's the solution here. <laughs> I did love, though, that, like, Daniel's allergies helped solve a problem. I mean, I thought that was cute. The second she said histamine, I went, that's why Daniel's not infected because he's allergic to everything. Yep. I, like, I the second she said it, I'm like, oh, that's why. And then she yeah. went on to yeah. explain that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I'm not sure uh, how science-based that really is, but uh, it was a cute a cute little I've reasoning. seen 15 seasons of ER. It's not science. <laughs> I'm basically a doctor. So this episode is called The Broken Divide. And in the beginning of the episode, they mention how Paul Broca helped. He studied skulls and helped differentiate the different, the skull development of humans over time. And so that's how we know about different, like, subspecies of human, I guess. Um, that's not the eugenics guy with the thing that measures it is it is the eugenics guy (laughs) yay (laughs) now we have eugenics (laughs) it's so great that we have an episode named after a guy who believed that although slavery is wrong black people are genetically inferior than to white people um so yeah episode named after him i know it's great we have um this super racist dude name dropped like it's no big deal with no like caveat of oh hey also he was racist um (laughs) i think they actually use him as like a basis don't they 
like they use him as like well he said this and he's like kind of like the feet the ground on which they build their thesis no yeah well Did they I just said yeah yeah that just that like he studied skulls and so um he studied a specific area of the human brain that relates to aphasia and that part of the human brain is named after him so they're talking specifically about that region of the brain being suppressed by this virus right okay um, well at least their solution wasn't based in eugenics but also yeah but but also he was a super racist so i don't know if you will be um happy to note that according to broca um persians are caucasian oh i knew that so i have to check off the white box on a lot of hr forms when they ask me what my ethnicity is oh well it comes from this dude great so like i mean technically geographically i see why and how Mm -hmm. they got there but also like in present day application Mm-hmm. If I'm checking off the white box on HR forms, I would like some of the privilege that goes with it. Right? <laughs> like, I would like, I would like people I know to not be randomly, quote unquote, stopped at the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, totally. if, if that's the box we're checking off. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you should just say that at the airport. Look, I'm white. But technically, I'm white. Yeah, great. <laughs> I, I, I coast through because... They're just racist enough that they know they're supposed to be racist to me, but they don't like what kind of racist because they can't really tell. <laughs> yeah. So by the time they figure it out, I'm gone. And I feel like it helps a little bit that you're a woman because women are generally less threatening True. than men. So that probably, because like your brother gets stopped more than yeah. you do probably. Yeah. Yeah. Love that for you. Um. <laughs> so um racism aside there i mean there were a few like funny lines um like jack had some funny lines when he you know was back to being himself um although he does have like a kind of a gross line to sam at the very end when he was like top thing yeah he's like it's a shame that i won't get to see you in that take on the number again kind of thing and it's like oh okay my buddy, she okay. wasn't herself. I don't like how this came up, but I'm shipping it now. <laughs> I mean, she was checking him out after I'm he said that. I'm shipping it now. <laughs> All, I don't know what their ship name is. Uh, you know, I should look it up. I mean, it's a very popular ship. Yeah, yeah, do that. It's, it's definitely a very popular ship. That would be interesting to know. Hmm. I typed hmm. Sam Carter Jack, and the second option on Google is Sam Carter Jack O'Neill fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> so we're clicking that. Okay. Tell me what you find. Wait, no, let me see what their ship name is. I think I looked it up once, and there was such an abundance that I was immediately overwhelmed. I like it. Okay. No, it's like him, like the O'Neill class ship in Stargate. Like, that's not, I'm not here for the actual ships. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do name a ship after him eventually. Love story never quite told. Aw. Spoilers. Yeah, you might get spoilers. Oh, Maybe you should I look this up. Maybe I should look it up. I'm calling them Jamantha. <laughs> That's terrible. That's awful. Well, how do you mix Carter and O'Neill? Um, I wonder if I can just Google like ship name. Carneal. I did, and then it was giving me the O'Neill class ship. It's just mm. o- O'Neill slash Carter. That's boring. It's too old for like a portmanteau ship name. Oh, 
boring. Well, the if Sam it's not Jack Samantha Jeffers. and I flip it around, it would be Sack, which I'm not using. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, I see it referenced just as the Sam Jack shippers. All right. Sam Jack it is. Yeah. That's All a little boring. The but... USS Sam Jack. Let's go. <laughs> I am there with you. I uh, I think they have good chemistry. I'm sorry. I derailed it to talk about ships, which if, if you've ever heard me talk is not shocking. <laughs> It's fine. I don't have any problem talking about ships. Eventually we'll get some some more ships as the show goes on. I'm assuming Daniel gets a ship at some point because the man has forgotten his wife exists. So um, don't, don't answer that. <laughs> I feel like there's more honestly, I feel like there's more romantic pairings in Stargate Atlantis. There's there's okay. a lot more like coupling up in Atlantis than in this one. Might have to save most of our shipping conversations for Atlantis. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I generally thought like, I mean, there were definitely some problems in the Broker Divide episode, but I thought it was a bit more lighthearted at least. And yeah, you know, less problematic than Emancipation was. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm glad like we're getting these out of the gate, <laughs> but like out of the way first. Um, so we can move on to some better quality episodes. I feel like I know the answer to this already. Would these episodes pass the Bechdel test? I feel like I wasn't really, like, I should have been more cognitively, like, looking for it. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, Emancipation might squeak by on a technicality. Yeah, okay. So the only instance, so there's one scene where Sam is talking to Naya, and it's just the two of them. But they're mostly just talking about Naya's father, See, I've got the script. Okay, yeah. Naya's like, I heard what you did for my mother. Um, if you don't obey, my father will kill you. My father is a good man. He's a powerful warlord. I'm not free to choose. And Carter's like, you'll never be free to choose until one of you says no. And Naya says, I want to say it. Will you help me? So I'm not really sure if that counts the back half of the conversation could be to society as a whole but that means the men of the society so like does it mean like it, you could generously read it as passing the Bechdel test but I'm not feeling particularly generous not really because I mean if they're just like talking about the like being free to choose doesn't directly reference her father but it is talking about Men. But what is she choosing, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't feel like that passes. Yeah, probably not. In the Broker Divide, we have several named women characters who speak, but I don't think they ever speak to each other. No. There's only ever so. one woman in the room. Or talking. Yeah. One woman talking at a time, yeah. <sighs> yeah, because even like... um when they're on the other planet, there's another woman in the room with Sam, but they're not talking like to each other. It's like a group yeah. talk. So yeah, I don't think really either one of these episodes passes. <laughs> ah well. I'm ah not well. Um so do you have any final thoughts that we have not discussed yet? There's nowhere to go but up. That's true. And it, it will, it will drastically. That's all go I up. got. <laughs> Nowhere to go but up. 
Oh man. It was actually, yeah, it was this one. I, I um, wrote down that Frasier was hashtag lost bitch. So yeah, cause she's great. Oh, one random thing that I did like was the amount of equality in the costuming in the Broken Divide episode because everybody's outfits are pretty skimpy, including the men <laughs> and the guards. Equal like the opportunity guards... skimpiness. Yes. <laughs> like the women have some cleavage, but like those guards are barely wearing anything at all. Like zero armor, zero protection, just it's all hot. muscle. <laughs> And I well, don't mean like sexy, I mean like temperature is high. I, you know, I don't think it's really that hot though, because the mouth that they sent through was reading that it was 40 degrees Celsius. Mm, are you sure? I don't know. These are Americans. They're dressed like that. They're dressed like it's 40 degrees Celsius. These are Americans. 40 degrees is going to be Fahrenheit. What is that in Celsius? Uh, it's very chilly, like verging on cold. Four degrees Celsius. Yeah. So that is cold. Yeah. So I mean that I mean that would just be in like the wooded area, but I I would have to think that the sunny area would have to be like in the sixties or seventies, because it's not. I mean even having like a twenty degree shift is huge between like the shade and the non shade. Yeah. So okay. I don't think it's really that hot. It's probably like comfortable. They're just skimpy because they that's how they like to dress, which is fine. Which is fine. They yeah. clearly have some very high temperature tol- temperature tolerance, which is you know good for them. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I yeah, I'm all here for the uh, skippy guards. It's that's fine. It's just you know it's equal. Yeah, yeah. equal opportunity sluttiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is funny to me that like the dark side of the planet, like where the untouched are, is is just a forest. Like it's not even like <laughs> it's dark in there. There's no natural light. <laughs> that's I mean that's a dense. So that's some dense foliage for oh, there to know. be no light in there. And and to like drop the temperature 20 or 30 degrees, that is some dense foliage. It does seem weird to me that that's where the Stargate is, though. Like, why is the Stargate not in the sunny part? Because they wanted to hide. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> it's not important. I <laughs> <laughs> So next week, we're going to be watching episodes five and six, The First Commandment and Cold Lazarus. And you are welcome to watch along with us. It's time for your next quote, Arzu. Yes. See if you can guess who says it and why. You ready? Yes. We're off to see the wizard. Okay. I think it's O'Neill. He's talking to Teal'c. And I think it's going to be a reoccurring bit like the Lucy thing in this episode. <laughs> Of him like making a pop culture reference and Teal just taking it very literally. So he's like, <laughs> "What wizard?" And he's gonna be like, "Never mind." And then he might he might elaborate on his sense of wizards and be like, "I don't know, there was a wizard on Avenos or whatever." He's gonna he's gonna have an opinion on wizards, and O'Neill's <laughs> gonna be like, "Why do I bother?" <laughs> That's what I think. Okay, all right, very interesting. We'll see. Um what that turns out to be next time uh that's it for today <laughs> if you want to talk to us about stargate you can find us on our podcast twitter page at wormhole waffles you can find me on twitter at chelsea fairless arzu where can everyone find you so you can find me on twitter at arzu Amin. you can find the geeky waffle network on twitter at geeky underscore waffle we are the geeky waffle on facebook instagram tiktok and youtube 
and we are at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we post all of our reviews. Chelsea writes them. I write them. We have a bunch of, um, our friend Hope writes them. We have a bunch of really talented writers on the site. You can find all of our shows there as well. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. And that's where you can find things like our Waffles After Dark. Woo! We'll be doing one of those eventually. eventually. Yeah, when we get enough of these ships under our belt. Jack wins. No. <laughs> he wins them all. He, wins them he all. just wins all the ships. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. <laughs>